Hi, my name is Mark Riggins, and I'm the senior pastor here at LifePoint Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like a little more information about our church, check out lpchurch.us. I hope today's message is an encouragement to you. I'm excited to be here with you today as we continue in Twisted. Now, just three days ago on Thursday, my wife and I, Shannon, we um, celebrated 27 years of marriage together. And so, oh yeah, that, that is something that most of you can't fathom. I understand that. I understand. But here's the deal. We went on a little trip. Uh, we went to Louisiana just to hang out. Um, we put, uh, pulled our camper and it was my job to get the camper ready and to put like, you know, buy the groceries, put everything in the camper, get it all ready. So as I was buying groceries, I'm trying to remember that for several months now, Shannon and I have been trying to change our eating habits. And so we're not eating certain things. We are eating certain things. And so I'm going through the grocery store, trying to stay away from the chip aisle and the cookie aisle, all those kinds of things, right? All the good stuff. And so I'm walking down the main aisle, not any of those aisles, because I have to stay away from them. And right in the middle aisle, I mean, like right, right there, it says s'mores. I'm like, wait a minute, we're going camping. You're supposed to have s'mores when you're going camping. It was Oreos, but it's a s'mores flavored Oreos. Anybody even know these existed? Did anybody? A few of you did. Okay, so I did the right thing and I bought them. Um, but I hid them from my wife because we're not supposed to be eating those kind of things. Put them up in the top of the pantry in the camper because she can't reach up there. Um, so, so the first night we're there, we'd eaten supper and we're sitting around and I go to get um, the cookies and I get them down and she's behind me. She can't see what I'm doing, but she can hear what I'm doing. And she goes, okay, hey, what are you doing? What are you getting? And I just got real quiet. And I said, okay, you have to promise not to judge me. And she's like, okay. So during the week, she had about three cookies and I ate the rest of the bag. It's all good. But on the way home, on one of our many fuel stops, because we have to stop a lot for fuel, I'm fueling the truck up. Shannon goes inside. I get in the truck. I'm ready for her. She opens the door and she, st- she stands there. And of course, I can barely see over the headrest over there. And she said, hey, you can't judge me. Don't judge me. We're on vacation, which was kind of my reasoning before. And this is what she brought out. She threw it on the center console. Caramel cold brew M&Ms. Anybody tried these? Yes? Anybody want to try these? I have two. I'm going to give them out right here. So who wants to try them? Right here. Look, you're hitting him. Why are you hitting him? Here you go. There you go. Okay, y'all are way back here. No, the first hand I saw was right here. They're turning up lights and everything. Sorry, camera guys. There you go. You try those. So Shannon was really impressed with them. I wasn't as, as impressed. But here's the deal. In just, just a few days, Shannon and I both quoted kind of sort of this verse. You can't judge me. It's not okay to judge me, right? And in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 is the verse that we're going to look at today. And it says this simply, do not judge or you too will be judged. Now, taking that at face value, judging is more than just one thing. It's kind of like a series of things. So you take information in, right? There's, there's some input. And then you make a conclusion based on your input. And then you decide whether action needs to be taken about what your conclusion was. So it's kind of like a three-step process when you judge someone. And according to this verse, if you just read it as it is, we're not supposed to do that. So you don't have the right to tell me how to live my life. Anybody heard that before? You do you, I'll do me, right? You don't have the right to speak into my life. And if you follow Christ, can I just just give you a caveat real quick? 
we got to be real careful we get this one right. Mark said at the beginning of the service, if you weren't here, that this verse is probably the most quoted verse by people who follow Jesus and people who don't. There are people that, that don't believe in Jesus and don't believe in the Bible, but they believe in this that you're not supposed to judge. And I believe if we get this wrong as Christ followers, we will do more damage for the faith than we do good. It is so important that we get this right. Let me tell you, I read an article just this week. This is why we have to get this right. A lady had been judged by a Christ follower. And she said, so you, you think that I am of the devil because of the choices that she's made. She said, okay, so I'll, I'll worship Satan. I'll be a Satanist. And then she went on to say, most of the people who say they're a Satanist don't follow Satan, nor do they even believe in Satan. But Satan is who you need him to be. In other words, he doesn't judge. I can do what I want. He'll, be who I, he'll support whatever my decision is. That's why we have to get this right. So the question is, is Jesus really telling us to never judge? Is he telling us that we shouldn't have discernment? Is he telling us that we're not supposed to input information, make a conclusion, and then act upon it if necessary? Is he really telling us that? If that is true, then no teacher has the right to grade a paper. Who are you? Who are you to say my essay is a C? Who are you to say it's an A+. You don't get to grade my paper because you can't judge me. You can't judge my actions. If this is true, no citizen, none of us in here could ever sit on a jury. Because what does a jury do? We, in, we take in information and we make a conclusion. We could never do that. Police officers, we wouldn't need them because they enforce laws. They could never enforce the law. You would never have the police officer pull you over, come up to your window and ask that question that I've been asked so many times. Sir, do you know why I pulled you over? I'm like, pretty sure. <laughs> I wasn't doing the speed limit. Well, I was. I was doing every bit of the speed limit plus a little bit. So to some degree, we believe that we can judge, but how far do we go? When's the right circumstances? These are questions that we have to know and we have to get right. And so let me ask you just a few questions to make sure you understand how difficult this topic is today. I don't expect you to answer out loud. You can if you want. It doesn't bother me if you do. Um, but is it okay to judge someone who has a funny haircut? Is it okay? I mean, just to laugh a little or maybe even speak into it and say, hey, man, did you actually look at your hair before you left the house today? I mean, is it okay to speak in? What if that person is your child? Then do you have a right to say something? Do you have a right to speak into that situation? What if there's this random guy at work, okay? Just a random guy. You know he's married, but he doesn't really act married at work. He really likes to flirt around. Is it okay to judge him? Is it okay to speak into his life and say, hey, man, what are you doing? Is that okay? What if he's not a random guy? What if he's in your small group? Now is it okay? You know, our society has some really, um, I'm just going to call it what it is, evil thoughts and evil, evil um, things that we go by. They, some people in our society say it's okay for you to marry and or have physical relations with whoever you want, even if they're a minor. There, there's a new documentary out about the fiasco down in Waco when I was a kid um, where mothers actually gave grown men their 12-year-old daughters for marriage. Okay, is it okay to speak into that conversation if they're complete strangers? 
is it okay to make a, make a conclusion and then take action? What if the 12-year-old is your child? Now do you have reason to judge and to step in? You see, I just want you to understand how difficult this topic is this morning. But at the same time, how important it is we get it right. So last week when we began this series, Mark gave us two things that we can do in order to help look at a scripture and understand what it's saying. One is context, one is confirmation confirmed with scripture. So let's look at the context of this verse today. Now, context just meaning what's before it, what's after it, who's the author, who's he writing to, those kinds of things, okay? So the context of this verse, this is chapter 7, verse 1. So what's before it? Chapter 6. Chapter 6, the main theme in chapter 6 is hypocrisy, okay? Now, to understand hypocrisy, it just means basically what you say doesn't line up with what you do, kind of like that. So, for instance, if you say you really love to watch good football and you're a Cowboys fan, like they just don't. As for our lead pastor, just so y'all know. I'm a Cowboys fan. I just had to throw that out there. But it's when you don't, what you say doesn't line up with what you do. So that's the theme of chapter six. So continuing into chapter seven, we kind of have that in mind. And then right after verse one is verse two. Imagine that. Right after verse one is verse two. And it says this, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Okay, So maybe it's not that we're not supposed to judge, but maybe we need to be careful because, you know, if I judge harshly, then others are going to judge me harshly. So that's, okay, so we're getting a little bit of clarity. But then we go further. And Jesus basically says, hey, I don't want you to be a hypocrite about this. We're we're still in that same theme of going. So look at verses 3 and 3, 4, and 5. Jesus says this, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? And then everybody say these next two words with me. You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus is saying, hey, you're looking at your, your, your friend, whoever, your brother, and, and you see that he has a small problem And you're trying to fix his small problem when you have a huge problem yourself. Hey, don't do that. You fix the the large problem you have in your life first, then you will be able to help your brother out. He's saying don't be a hypocrite. Matter of fact, it says do not judge in verse 1. And then later in the chapter it says, hey, look out for false prophets. I I need you to watch these people intake and, and judge these people because I want you to look out for them. So in the context, we find out that maybe we do get to judge. We're not really sure to what extent, but for sure we're not supposed to be a hypocrite when we do it, right? We cannot be a hypocrite. So that is the context. Let's look at confirmation. Let's confirm with scripture what this scripture is saying. And I believe there's four things, and I'm sure there's more, um, but you don't want to be here all day. Um, So I'm going to give you four things that I found found in scripture uh, that help us figure this out. One of them, number one, is don't judge superficially. Don't judge superficially. Now, we all do this. Some of you just judged me based on my two truths. You saw, you look at me, you're like, there's no way that dude played offensive lineman. He's too small. I did. And then you know how manly and, you know, like I'm just tough. And you're like, there's no way that that guy collected precious moments. But I did. 
right? We understand this. We understand that the guy that has the, the nice car, all oh, everything handed to him on a silver platter, he's never worked a day in his life. We know the pretty woman, she's a snob. She's stuck up. If you're pretty, you're stuck up. That's just the way it is. We see you, we know you're stuck up. In our country, we know the color of our skin matters. People judge us for that. Uh, we understand that people judge us because I sound like a redneck, and so people think I'm not smart, and that may be true sometimes, but, um, but we get judged based on appearances only. And check out, again, what Jesus says in John chapter 7 and verse 24. Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Okay, so this says we can judge. Matter of fact, we're supposed to judge, but we're, what we're supposed to do is judge correctly. And one way we judge incorrectly is to judge by appearances only. Can I, just, can I just help us? Can we just give people the benefit of the doubt? When that person comes into work and they're kind of short with you, they're kind of, they're kind of angry, whatever, can you just give them the benefit of the doubt? You can, you can think to yourself, what a jerk. Or you can think, man, poor guy, probably had all kinds of problems with the kids this morning. The person you're in line, in line behind at the grocery store and they're, playing, they're paying with some kind of uh, welfare or something like that, we want to judge and say stuff like, lazy? You don't know that. He could be, he got two mortgages working two jobs trying to pay for medical bills because his wife is sick. How about we just give people the benefit of the doubt? How about we not judge based on appearances only because we don't no, based on appearances only. So Jesus says, don't judge superficially. Number two, don't judge hypocritically. Now, some of you are like, hey, we just learned that in context. We did just learn that in context, but I want to confirm it again. And Paul actually takes it a step further than what even Jesus did in what he said. Paul says, when we point out other people's sin, if somebody messes up and we point that out, and we're doing the same thing, that we're not condemning them, that we're condemning ourselves. Check this out, what it says in Romans 2, chapter 1. You, therefore, have no excuse. <laughs> He's pretty straight. You who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself. Why? Because you who pass judgment do the same thing. I believe that hypocritical judging... Number one, we're really good at it. So if you're new to church and you, this has happened to you, I'm sorry. Um, we're really good at it and we're not supposed to be. We're not supposed to be doing this. But I think this one point will drive more people away from a relationship with Jesus than anything else. By us living differently than what we speak or condemning someone. But just the other day, <laughs> we were driving down the, the highway and you know the far left lane is the what lane? The passing lane right? So that's, unless I am intentionally being patient, choosing to be patient, I drive in the left lane. Do you know why? Because I'm passing people. Like, I, I, I just, I, I just want to get to where I'm going, so I'm in the left lane, I'm passing people. So me and my wife, we're in my truck the other day, we're driving in the far left lane, there's four or five lanes where we're at, and I can see that we're in the fastest lane. Like, changing lanes isn't going to do any good. But there's this guy behind me, and he is so close to me that I can't see him. Like looking in my rearview mirror, the angle, he is so close behind my truck, I cannot see him. And I'm, I'm, I talk, does anybody else talk when they drive out loud? Okay, I do. Um, so I'm talking, my wife's next to me, and I'm like, babe, check out this moron. 
This guy behind, I can't even see him. He's like, if I tap my brakes, man, he's eating the back end of this truck. And, and I knew what he was going to do. I'm like, watch him, watch him. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. And I know that there's nowhere to go. He can't see that because my truck's taller than his car. And so he whips out from around me and he puts it on the floor and he goes past me and I go, watch this. And I'm just laughing the whole time because there's nowhere to go in our lane. This lane's going slower. So he passes me and I mean, it's not three seconds later and we pass him. And I chuckle and I say out loud, what? A moron. My wife, who's very kind, soft-spoken, all of those things, she says, huh, reminds me of somebody I know. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? No, I I don't do that. I don't tailgate. And she goes, what about yesterday? And I thought, and I go, no, 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 no. No, we were running late. We were in a hurry. There were people waiting on us, and I can't stand for people to wait on me. I want to be there first. And so I had a reason. Did you see what I did there? I accused him, and I excused me. As Christ followers, we're real good at that. We like to accuse others and excuse ourselves. See, I had a reason. I didn't know. Maybe he had a reason, too. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down what I'm about to say. Our harshest judgments often reveal our deepest weaknesses. I'm going to say it again because you need to hear it. Our harshest judgments often reveal our deepest weakness. Saying, man, you can't do that. You're condemning yourself when you try to condemn someone else for doing something wrong and you're doing the same thing. So we're not supposed to judge superficially. We're not supposed to judge hypocritically. And then number three, family rules are for the family. Family rules are for the family. We understand family rules. You probably have rules in your family. I have rules in my family. And they're probably not the same rules. But get this, what is said in 1 Corinthians 5.12. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the family, those who have not chosen to follow Jesus? What business is it of mine? Stay in your lane. Are you not to judge those inside? Uh Uh-oh. That tells us where we're supposed to judge. God will judge those outside. I'm telling you, it's like a broken record. So many times I have people come to me, I've been doing this a long time, and they're like, so-and-so's not acting like a Christian. No kidding, they're not. Like, it, 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 does, it blows my mind that we think things like that. It's like, when I, was, when I was growing up, we had a rule in my house. The rule was no dances. We couldn't go to dances. It didn't matter who was putting it on. It didn't matter who the chauffeur was. It didn't, none of it mattered. I could not attend dances. Now, all my friends went to the dances, and all the pretty girls went to the dances. So guess where I wanted to be? At the dances. That's where I wanted to be. And I would say something like this, but mom, all my friends get to go to the dances And she would say, but Isaac, none of your friends have the last name Denson. Do you know how ludicrous it would have been when my good friend Dusty came over to the house? If my mom would have said, hey, Dusty, just so you know, that dance is Friday night. You can't go to it because we have a family rule that that we can't go to it. That would be crazy. And he would look at her and say, what? Like, I I don't have to obey those rules. Those aren't my rules. And the Bible is saying, hey, family rules are for family. 
We don't get to hold people that haven't decided to follow Jesus accountable for rules, the, the moral will of God that Mark talked about a few weeks ago in the IDK series. If you didn't listen to that series, please go back and listen to it. It's phenomenal. But the do's and don'ts, the moral wills of God, the do's and don'ts, what we get to do, what we don't get to do. We don't get to pass those off on people that don't follow Jesus. It just doesn't make sense. And then number four, be ready to restore the family. Be ready to restore those in the family. Now, do you know why this one's so important to actually put into action? Is because it'll be you one day. We all mess up. We all trip and fall. We all veer off track. And we need people in our lives to help get us back on track, to help restore us. The Bible says this in Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Brothers and sisters, so it's talking to the family, okay? Those that have decided to follow Jesus. If someone is caught in sin, if someone is veering off track, if someone is taking the wrong exit, if someone's stuck in a ditch, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But then he gives us a warning. It says, but watch yourselves or you, you also may be tempted. So if, if one of your friends, one of your brothers or sisters is in a mess and you jump into the mess to help them, guess what you get on you? Mess, right? So it's given us a warning to be careful when we do this. And then it says, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Several years ago, I was at student camp up in the mountains of New Mexico. Now, by the way, if you have a student, um, a kid, fourth and fifth grade or sixth through 12th grade, we have a couple of extra spots for summer camp. Please get your kid signed up for summer camp. Talk to Ben, talk to Vanessa. Uh, it's, it's vital they go because life change happens and I'm about to tell you a story about it. I have a good friend named Victor, call him Vic. Victor was a small group leader at student camp. That's why he went was to lead a group of boys, young men um, at camp. And about the second or third day of camp, it was during morning chapel, during the, the music, the worship, um, Vic kind of gets my attention and he, you know, motions, hey, can we go outside? So we go outside and it's a beautiful morning. Um, and and is immediately when we walk out the doors, this is a grown man. He just starts sobbing, just crying. We sit down on this rock wall and I'm like, hey, bud, tell, tell me what's going on. And he he went on to tell me, I won't tell you everything, but he went on to tell me that he didn't feel like he belonged. He didn't feel like he fit in. And rightfully so, the campus he came from, all of our campuses came together and they were very diverse. Some of them were more, from more affluent neighborhoods and things of that nature. And so the group leaders, they lived a different life than what Victor lived. Victor lived, his, his dad was out of the picture. Um, his mom was addicted to drugs. He grew up in a poor household. And so there was differences. And he said, I, I just feel like I don't belong. I feel like I don't fit in. I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel. I just want to go home. And so I said, Victor, you know I love you. And he's staring at the ground. And he kind of shakes his head. I said, no, Victor, look at me. Do you know that I love you? And he looks over at me, tears in his eyes, and he says, yes, sir, I do. And I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell it to you straight. You have used the word feel six times since we've come outside. And I said, while our feelings are important and they have to be dealt with, they're not always true. And I said, so I'm gonna need you to do me a favor. I'm gonna need you to take those feelings and shove them right back. I'm not gonna say what I said. Um, put them up. 
Um, I told him what to do with those feelings. And I said, and then what I'm going to need you to do is I need you to go inside and lead those young men. The reason you're here this week is to either lead them to Christ or to lead them in a deeper relationship with Christ. That's why you're here. Can you do that? You see, I can do that. All right, well, let's, let's, let's dry it up because I'm telling you, if you're crying, I'm crying. You never have to cry alone if I'm in the room with you. So we were both crying. We dried it up, put my arm around him. I said, I'll go with you. We walked in the door. That night, three of the young men in his group gave their lives to Christ. If you get on the website for Monahan's Community Church today, you can do it today. Victor's their student pastor. Now, I want you to understand that in all of that, Victor was trying his best to get off course. He was trying to exit where he shouldn't have exited. He needed a little help being restored. But the main thing, the thing that made all of that work was our relationship. My relationship to him, his relationship to me. Because without the relationship, he wouldn't have listened to me. That's why here at LifePoint, we want you here. I understand if you're at home, if you're traveling, if you're sick, all of those things. I get all of those things. But if you can be here, we want you here. Do you know why? Because we want you to grow in relationships. Because we all need those kind of relationships around us. That's why we want you to serve. You know, I've had the privilege of the last eight weeks getting to know people better and grow in our relationship, setting up and tearing down together. Like getting mad and not getting mad. Just, I, I, get, to, I get to know people better and, and I can call them now and I wouldn't have called them two months ago. Growing our relationship. That's why we want you in groups. That's why we've asked Christine Hayek to help us this summer get our groups all lined out and and launched. Let's do more groups. Let's do this because we need you to be in relationship because we all need that type of relationship. That's why we want you there. That's what's the most important is the relationship. Now, I want you to understand that I rarely speak into someone's life that I don't know. Do you know why? Because when people that I don't know speak into my life, my initial response is I'm defensive. Like, I don't know you. I don't know who you think you are, but me and you are about to throw hands. Like, I'm going to put you on the floor right here. I don't know who you are. You don't have the right to speak into my life like that. That's how, that's, I'm just honest, that's my response. That's most people's response. You don't have the right to speak into my life, but if you have a relationship with him, someone loves me, I know they love me, and they say, hey, Isaac, And then they speak truth to me. I know they want what's best for me. It's still going to hurt. Truth hurts a lot of times. But Jesus gives us this example. When he came, there's this awesome verse. In John chapter 1 and verse 14, it says this. The word became flesh. Talking about Jesus. And made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father. And then here it is. Full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Now, I can't prove it, but I believe there's a reason why grace is first. Because without grace, it's really hard to share truth. Now, this verse that that we're even looking at today says, do not judge or you too will be judged. Taking it out of context, the twisted version of this, honestly, is all grace and no truth. When we give nothing but grace, we are giving the license to live your life how you want, 
when you want, do whatever you want, no matter how it affects the people around you. But if you want to twist the verse the other way, per se, the other end of that spectrum is all truth and no grace, and both of them are just as wrong. Because truth hurts, if all you do is hammer truth into someone, all they're going to do is walk away because truth hurts. In order to untwist this verse, we have to do and come into the situation just like Jesus did. Full of grace and truth. Grace first. Build a relationship first. Then you can speak the truth. When Jesus came, he came full of grace. Do you know why? Because it's the loving kindness that draws people to repentance. He came full of truth. Do you know why? Because when we know the truth, the truth will set us free. That is how we, as Christ followers, are supposed to love people. Why do we want to be a place where people can belong before they believe? Because we want to show the love of Jesus, and in return, people will draw to him. And once they know him, he is truth, and truth will set him free. So, what does the scripture say about judging? What did we learn today? Let's just... Go over it real quick. Don't judge superficially based on appearances alone. Let's give the benefit of the doubt. Never judge hypocritically. Man, clean yourself up before you start. Let the, the big plank in your eye, get that out of your eye first. Family rules don't apply to everyone. They're just for the family. And then always be ready to restore family. Now, before we go, uh, we have a memory verse. If you're new here, we, each series we try to memorize a verse. And it's, it's actually comical, the verse that we're memorizing. My mom used to give us Bible lessons every day before school. So I got a lot of Bible lessons and we memorized verses. And there's one verse out of the hundreds that I was supposed to memorize that I memorized. And it's this one, 2 Timothy 2.15. Now, I didn't memorize it in this version. So I don't know it in this version, but I'm gonna ask you to stand with me. Would you stand? I'm gonna read this verse and then we're gonna say it together. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Second Timothy 2.15. Now let's say it together. Ready? Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Second Timothy 2.15. Now I want you to do something else for me. I want you to get your phones out. Go ahead, get your phones out. And I'm just gonna ask you to just kind of sort of make pretend there's a circle around you. Let's just just focus on you um, and what I'm about to ask you. And if a name pops into your mind, I'm gonna beg you to do something about it with your phone. If you have incorrectly judged someone superficially, hypocritically, or you've been trying to hold someone to standards that they're not supposed to be held to, if a name just now popped into your head, I'm gonna ask you to text them right now. Now, it could be simple and say, hey, you know what, the other day I said this, I should not have said that, you can apologize. Or it may be a longer conversation. (coughs) It could be, hey, can we do coffee this week? If a name popped to your head, I want you to text them. Make an appointment or or fix it right now. The, The other question I have is this. The fourth thing that we talked about in our, in the con, or the confirmation is who do you need to restore? Do you have a brother and sister in Christ who needs to be restored? Maybe you have leaned too much towards the grace in and you haven't stepped in and helped them at all. 
maybe you've leaned too much toward the truth end and you're just pounding the snot out of them and they're running from you as fast as they can. That one's probably going to need a coffee or a lunch. But if a name popped into your head, I beg you to text them right now. Would you bow your heads? And we'll close. God, thank you for clarity in your word. I understand that when we take things out of context, they can say pretty much anything that we want. But but God, you want us to have discernment. You want us to judge. You just want us to judge correctly. So God, help us to get this right. God, if we don't get this right, we're going to be doing harm for the cause that your son gave his life for. So God, please help us to get it right. And then God, if there's someone in our lives that we've done an injustice to by judging them incorrectly or we haven't stepped into their lives and we should have or we've stepped in the wrong way. God, I pray that you give us courage to contact that person and to make it right. God, we'll be better for this whether we believe in your son or not. This way is just better. So God, I pray that you would give us courage and help us as a church family to act like you called us to act. God, thanks for allowing us to be here today. Thank you for these folks that have come out on this amazing weekend. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen.